Hey there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. Father God, uh, I just thank you that we are home in your house today, Lord. Father, I pray that as we come around uh, your words, your, your Bible, Scripture, Lord God, I pray that you would highlight things that you want us to know, to be, and to do. Thank you, God, for your generous mercy towards us and your beautiful grace at work in us, designed to let us thrive without fear or burden. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's get straight into it. Psalm 5, verse 1 to 3 is coming on the screen. This, uh, this, uh, this message is called Wait and See. Is that okay? Now, I may have nicked Lindsay Wildsmith's message for two weeks' time. I didn't realize she was speaking on, uh, what's it called? The waiting game. Okay, so we might be waiting around for a few weeks. Maybe this is just the warm-up act. I don't know. Let's see how it goes. Okay, so Psalm uh, chapter 5, verse 1 to 3, it says, Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. What's a lament? Anyone know what a lament is? It's kind of like, oh, I'm down in the dumps, God. Would you please hear the struggle that I'm going through? Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and what? Is it a hot summer's day or something? I lay my requests before you and I wait expectantly. I wait expectantly. Does anyone else have any drama going on in their family? Please don't say what it is right now. Don't start catcalling it. This is Gornal. It'll be up a Gornal uh, by the time the sun's down. So, but uh, we're used to having family drama. We all have family dramas. This psalm was written by King David at a time that he was having some family drama. Do you understand a little bit of why he's talking the way he's in this psalm? Because what's going on in David's life, I, you may not know who King David is. You may have heard, you may not have heard, that there was once a shepherd boy who went to take on a a, a giant called Goliath. And as a result, when he grew up, he became the king of his homeland, Israel. And King David, this boy shepherd, Goliath the giant killer, now King David, he's writing this psalm at a time where his own son, a guy called Absalom, is spreading muck about his dad all over Israel. All over Israel. This Absalom is starting to spread disunity and discord in the nation. And he starts to get people's favor. And he starts to turn the eyes of the people away from the rightful king, his dad David. And, they, and he starts to win the hearts of the people. It's not right. It's not godly. This kid is a wrongan. He shouldn't be doing what he's doing. King David's like, what the heck is going on? This is my own kid turning against me. And not just me. Not just him turning against me, he's turning the whole nation against me. This, uh, this situation, it was, it was rising up to be a murderous coup in the nation. And David says, his response was this, I lay my requests to you in the morning. <laughs> While the rest of us might be panicking and going out of our mind at such a situation, such a drama going on in our lives, I want to ask, would you respond in such a way? I don't know if you'd be like me, but I think I'd be flipping out. 
I think I'd be chasing our kid down, giving him a hiding and sticking him upstairs. I don't know. But I certainly wouldn't be happy about it. David, on the other hand, he's saying, no, no, no. In the morning, I lay my requests and I what? Wait expectantly. Would you do the same? Do you do the same when drama's kicking off? Can we do the same as David? Of course we can. David asked, uh, uh, this David, another David. He could look like King David, Rocker Dave. In Hope House in the week, he says to me, he says, Pete, he said, how would you define in one word the word faith? Do you remember the conversation? And I said, oh, Dave, that ain't fair. Can I have two words? And so he let me have two words. And because I'd been reading these scriptures, my definition was inspired by this, hopeful expectation. David waited in, in expectation. Faith, hopeful expectation. Are you ready for a little ancient wordage? A little ancient Hebrew, a little unveiling. Pastor Father Tony is in the room today. And so, uh, Dad, you can help me out with the pronunciations. All right. As you know, when we look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament was written in ancient Hebrew. And behind every English um, translation of a Hebrew word, there's far more to unpack in the Hebrew word of wait. The word wait is this word. It looks like sapa, but it is pronounced saw for. Everyone try that. Saw for. Saw for. Not the horror movie, saw for. Saw for. The Jewish word meaning wait. Okay? And the word wait from the scripture we just looked at, it means to lean forward. Wow. It means to peer into the distance. By implication, to observe, await, behold, to look up and keep watch. So when David is actually saying these phrases, he says, I lay my requests and I wait expectantly. He's saying, I'm putting my, my requests out before you, God, and I'm looking into the distance to see what you're going to do next. Do you see what's happening here? I'm laying, my, expect, I'm laying my, 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 my requests before you, and I'm leaning forward in faithful expectation that the things that are on my heart, you are hearing and you want to do something about. That's good news, isn't it? Don't you love unpacking the Scriptures? Unpacking the Bible a little. How can that inspire us right now? I reckon it can inspire us like this. Like David, when an enemy is set against us, when something is sent to steal from us, a situation that challenges our peace and our confidence as we pursue the will of God for our lives, when depression is clouding, when sadness is lingering, when hope is fading, when anxiety is shaking, when love goes wanting, when families fall out, when money is running out, when the energy bills are going up, when drought is being declared, when war is raging just a few countries away, when the truth is under attack, when effort seems fruitless, when trying hard seems like we're failing fast, how can we respond? We can lay our requests and we can look into the distance waiting for our God to come to our rescue. Is that good news this afternoon? We can learn to lean in with hopeful expectation. Lean into not fear, but lean into faith that help is coming. Amen? Rather than turn our backs on God when the going gets tough. Anyone ever done that? Let's have some honesty in the place today. Instead of turning our backs on God when the going gets tough, we seek, we peer into where He is and we pursue Him with all we've got. Instead of hopelessly peeling back, we peer into the hope of the character of our God, who is justice personified. Is that good news today? Do we want our kids to know this God? 
Do we want ourselves to know this God? Do we want to know this God in our retirement? We want to pursue our God. Listen to David's words. Can we just go back to that first scripture still? He says, listen to my words. And he says, consider. In other words, Lord, listen to what I'm asking you. I'm talking to you about things right now, God. But I'm asking you to consider what I'm saying. Because I think what I'm asking is right, but the jury's out on whether I'm right in asking what I'm asking for. Would you consider my words? Would you weigh up what I'm saying, God? Might right now, I might be writing what I might feel like I'm writing what I'm saying. And it's not the rightness or the wrongness of what I'm saying to you, God, that matters. It's the humility that I come to you with. Have you got some things on your heart today, church? Hello? You've got some things on your mind, on your soul, you want to present to the Lord. You may be right or wrong in the way you're talking to God about the situation. None of that matters. The humble heart that comes to God is all that matters. Lord, consider. I might not have this right, but I'm asking for your help. He says, hear my cry for help. Either way, whether I'm right in what I'm saying or wrong with what I'm praying, would you consider, would you hear my cry for help? I'm not going to anyone else. I need your help, God. And then he says, my king and my God, for to you I pray. See, David wasn't, he wasn't coming to some self-help book. Anyone ever had a go on one of those? Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Got to start that this summer holiday. He's not, he's not coming to some kind of self-help book. He's not coming to a 12-step program this time. He's not going to mediums or tarot card readers for a bit of guidance here. He's not going to a, a, a godless social media influencer to get an idea of the way forward. He's coming to you, my God, King of Heaven. That's the kind of influencer I want to go to. Anybody else? He says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. Did you notice what time of day? In the morning. David's setting up his morning. He's setting up his entire day by getting God involved in his situation. doesn't matter if life is good, bad, or ugly. Get God involved from the very start of the morning and let him write the words. Let him write the scene for the rest of your day. He says, Lord, I lay my requests before you. When you lay something down, you then walk away from it. Do you remember Pastor John talking about such a message? When we bring our requests to God, we then lay them before him and we leave them with him. In other words, I submit what is on my heart, God, to you. And then he says, I, what expectantly? I wait expectantly. I don't sit on my hands and do nothing. I look into what you're doing. I peer towards where you are, God. I look up. He finishes off this psalm like this. Let's read through it real quick. Psalm 5, it's coming up on the screen from verse 4. It says, You're not a God who is pleased with wickedness. With you, evil people aren't welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence, and you hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. The bloodthirsty and the deceitful, Lord, you detest. But I, by your great love... Remember, David's a guy that's killed loads of people. David knew that when he asked forgiveness and came close to the mercy of God, he says, I, by your great love, can come into your house. Anyone glad this afternoon? You can come into his house. In reverence, I bow down towards your holy temple. Lead me, Lord. Lord, in your righteousness, because of my enemies. <laughs> so many times it's easy for us to flip out, forget who we are as a follower of Christ when things hit the fan. David's not doing that. He says next, he says, make your paths straight before me. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted, God. 
These enemies, their hearts are filled with malice. Their throats an open grave. With their tongues they tell lies. They declare them guilty, God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. Right, church, are you ready to get glad? Because David's talking about you and me as believers in Jesus today. He says, verse 11, But let all who take refuge in you, God, be glad. Anyone taking refuge today? Let them, let us, let the believers sing for joy. Anyone singing for joy today? Spread your protection over us, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Is anyone glad with the name of Jesus today? We rejoice in his name. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Now, this sounds like the righteous are getting a little self-righteous. Like they've got it all together. Like, forget all the wicked people, Lord. Just look after us. We're the ones you love. Forget them. There's only one thing that makes a Christian righteous. Only one thing on planet Earth that makes a human heart righteous. And it is this. Believing that Jesus Christ is God's Son. And the righteousness of God's Son enters into our lives. That's the only thing that makes us righteous. Not our works, not our smarts, not our intelligence. The presence of God in us. Are you with me this afternoon? So let me ask you a few questions. Do you love the Lord? Have you given your life to Him? Are you living for Him? See, if you're answering any of those questions, yes, then I've got good news for you. God's favor surrounds you. That's good news, isn't it? Church, if you want to know what happens between David and his son Absalom, I'd like you to go away and read in your own time a book called 2 Samuel, chapter 14 to 18. You can read all about it. Read all about it. You can read all about it. I don't know if you're like me, but I don't really like waiting for stuff. Anyone else? I'm I'm a little bit impatient, I am. A little bit impatient. Does anyone remember kind of being pre-teen and waiting for your teenage years to come because freedom was on its way? Anyone else? Anyone remember being 16 and you couldn't quite drive yet? Oh. Anyone remember, remember being 15 and you couldn't buy cigarettes yet? Now, come on, let's be honest, some of you in here. You weren't all Christians at that age, right? Oh, there's something about waiting that, oh, man, it's just such a drag, isn't it? What are you waiting for this afternoon? Let me read a few things. Maybe you're waiting for the one, the husband, the wife. Maybe you're waiting for the job. Maybe you're waiting for people to to notice your worth and promote you in the work you're in. Maybe you're waiting for the house, the calling, the healing. Maybe you're waiting for the reconciliation, strength to return. Maybe you're waiting for anxiety to leave your mind. Maybe you're waiting for the day that things just change for the better. Maybe you're waiting for people to simply just be a little kinder to you. See, David's response to God teaches us that rather than waiting on people to come through, we look forward on the God who is coming through for us, working on our behalf behind the scenes. Someone once said, that God is doing far more behind our backs for us than in front of our faces. As we lean into God, you know, as we peer into Scripture, we find that the Bible, Scripture, the holy words of God himself, uses the word wait 
a lot. Do you know a few more waiting scriptures? Anyone waiting for the scriptures? Anyone leaning in? See what I did there? Thank you, Trish. I got a smile there. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says this. But they who, what church? Oh, that was good. That was good. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount upon wings like eagles. In other words, they ain't going to go off in a flap. They're going to let God do the raising up. They shall run and not go weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who what? Those who wait on the Lord. Psalm 27 verse 13, 14 says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Everyone, wait for the Lord. My goodness. If there are only three scriptures, that would do. But there's more. Lamentations, lamentations, ain't that the sad book? It is. Look what it says. It says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. That sounds like the kind of waiting David was doing. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, seek him out, peer into the distance. Lord, I'm waiting to see your goodness come through and I know that it will. Psalm 27 verse 14 says, hello church, one more time. For the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You ready for a bit more Hebrew? Ready for another pronunciation? Here we go. This word for wait is a different word for wait. What? More words? Yes. The word for wait here is this word. Looks like kava. Sounds like a nice kind of drink on a sunny afternoon. It's this word korvor. Anyone have a go? Korvor. All right. And this wait means look for we've heard that before. It means be expectant. It means lie in wait for. It means to collect, bind together, be strong and be robust. So in the light of that, why don't you have a look at those scriptures again? Look what it's saying then. So, but they who wait, those who look for the Lord shall renew their strength. Do you see what's going on here? And then it says, I believe I should look on the goodness of the Lord, be strong, let courage, wait for the Lord. In other words, lie in wait for the Lord. In our staff meeting the other week, uh, I, I had this imagery of like lying in wait, didn't I, Maggie? Of like, have you ever seen um, Lion King when, um, when Mufasa is teaching little baby Simba to pounce? Have you ever seen that? I get this idea that waiting on the Lord is us waiting, like some little lion cub, and his dad is teaching us how to pounce. And sooner or later, the blessing of God's going to come. And if we're not lying in wait, there's no pouncing and we're going to miss something that God's got for us. So when we lie in wait for God, when we wait for God, we are looking out, faithfully expectant, hopeful, looking out, because when God brings that opportunity across my path, I'm going to jump on it. I'm lying in wait. Are you with me this afternoon? But then I like what it says as well. Wait for the Lord. In other words, collect yourself together. Get yourself together, my mate. Get yourself together. Collect yourself. You see, church, waiting, Bible style, it's active. It's getting your head together by waiting and in anticipation for the Lord. And when you're expectant and anticipating something, you look out for it, you stay focused, and your head stays in the game. Do you see what we're talking about this afternoon? What are you hoping for today? Come on, let's be expectant. So waiting biblically does not mean sitting on your hands, shrugging your shoulders like a religious Mardi bum. Waiting, biblically, is not being inactive 
or empty of purpose in the meantime. Waiting biblically does not mean you postpone your faith in God until you get what you think He should give you. Waiting biblically is not closing your eyes, pretending you're not in the situation you're in. Waiting in God is not hopeless absence of joy. Waiting in God is not lethargic indifference. Waiting in God is not giving in to loose living to satisfy now at the expense of the future. Did you hear what I say? Waiting in God is not letting go so much of God that life becomes loose around the edges and we start to fall back into sin and mess up to satisfy now in favour of what God's got coming in the future. You with me? Sorry about that. I was a bit jumpy, wasn't it? So let me ask you a different question. At this time, not what are you waiting for, how are you waiting? That's a good question, isn't it? Not what are you waiting for, how are you waiting? In our waiting on God, let's be seeing what God is doing. We might say, I don't see you in front of me, but Scripture tells me that you are, God, in front of me. And therefore, if he's in front of us, he is what? Leading us. I can be expectant to arrive at the right place at the right time as I allow you to lead me. I don't see you behind me, God, but Scripture tells me that you are behind me. You have my back. In other words, God, you are protecting me right now. Is that good news? I don't see you next to me, but Scripture tells me time and again that you'll never leave me or forsake me. You're comforting me and encouraging me right now, God. My heart and mind, they'll be robust as I wait properly. I don't see you overhead, God, but Scripture tells me that you are high and above all things, that your name is above every other name, and so right now, God, you are covering me. Do you hear this, church? He's leading us. He's protecting us. He's at our side. He is covering us. I don't feel stable right now, Lord, but your word teaches me that anyone who clears your words, Jesus, and puts them into practice is like a person who builds their life on a sure foundation. So as I follow you, Jesus, as you're protecting me, as you're hemming me in at every side, my life is becoming more stable, more founded as I focus on you. Church, just because you don't see anything doesn't mean that God isn't moving. Did you know that? The prayer course taught us, don't mistake God's silence for absence. Have you noticed that true authority doesn't have to say that they're in charge? Have you noticed that? A teacher teaching a class that has to say, excuse me class, I'm the one in charge here, has clearly lost all authority. True authority, no names, I know your teachers. True authority doesn't have to say a word. It's just got a look. It's just got a character. You know what I'm talking about, hey? Don't mistake God's silence for his absence. He's taking authority. Don't you make any mistake. Church, there's another psalm. And it's a collective psalm this time. It's not just an individual writing an individual prayer to God. It's a collection, an assembly of the people of God saying a psalm together. Why don't we do that? Psalm 33, coming up on the screen. Let's say it together. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. 
in our hearts, in him, our hearts rejoice, sorry. For we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. You might be waiting for God to move in your life as an individual, but isn't it true? As a church, as the body of Christ across this whole area, we are waiting for a move of God. Just because we can't see anything doesn't mean God isn't already moving. I don't know if you've uh, been talking to people in your life group, but you'll give it five minutes of conversation, you'll know God's moving. Come to Hope House, come and meet some people, you'll know God's moving, all right? Go to Limitless with the youth, you'll see that God's moving, yeah? Wow, God is moving. We wait. We don't know what God's plans are for this particular set of bricks and mortar. We wait. We're peering into the distance. We're anticipating God to make a great move. Can we wait together as a church? Is that okay? Is that good? Can we be robust as a church, as a family? Can we grow in strength? Can we let the Lord raise us up? Is that good? Let's bring this into land. I've got a song that I want to play for you in a few minutes just to kind of coin this afternoon. So what does God want us to know before we get there? I think God wants us to know this, that waiting on God is not wasting time. Is that simple enough? Waiting on God is not wasting time. You see, God knows the length of our days. Some of you might have a fear, a morbid fear of when will death happen? When we are, is, it, is it close? Is it far away? Some of us are quite hypochondriac in our fears, aren't we sometimes? Let's be honest. I certainly am. But God knows the length of our days. He knows that we haven't got time to waste. Do you seriously think he's going to waste your time? Come on now. He's not interested in messing us around. The scriptures tell us that the timing of God is perfect. What does God want us to know? He wants us to know this, that patient trusting in the ways, the timing and the character of God builds up our character, helps us to endure, and brings us into hopeful expectation. Biblical faith is waiting on God. What should we do in response then this afternoon for ourselves, first of all? We need to start to lean into faith more. Does that make sense? Not lean away. Push a little further in. Lean into prayer. Talk with God. Lydia, will he speak to you? He speaks to us, doesn't he? Lean into honest conversation with God, but with humility. Say whatever you want. Fly off the handle if you want, but come to him with humility. What should we do? Let's live powerfully in the present. Jesus once said, don't worry about tomorrow. It's got trouble of its own. What's he really saying? Live in the present. Know that God is for you and not against you and crack on. What does he want us to do for others? Maybe you've got someone else on your heart and mind this afternoon that's waiting for a breakthrough, waiting for an answer to prayer. Go out and be an encouragement to others. Go out and don't try to be God for other people. Just point people to God. Let him do the God stuff. Why don't you go out this week and help others celebrate the victories that God is bringing ahead of time? Amen. There's a really wonderful song that you've, a number of you have probably heard. It's called Wait on You. What's it called? <laughs> no, that's all right. Wait on You. It's called Wait on You. Um, so, Stella, we'll put it on the screen and on the speakers. 
And then we'll just worship with this song together towards the end. And we'll take communion a little later. But just enjoy this and just allow yourself to worship God. It says this, it says, The Lord waits to be gracious to you. Isn't that beautiful? We've been talking about doing the waiting on God, but it turns out God's waiting to be gracious to us. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait on him. Have you ever heard that scripture, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you, says God? You know, guess what? There's another Hebrew word for a different kind of weight. This weight is core core. You can have a go at that if you want. Sounds like Gorno language, doesn't it? Core core. But this definition of weight, it comes with a picture, an idea. I promise I haven't made this up just because it's communion Sunday. But this weight means the idea of piercing, tying, binding. The Lord pierced to be gracious to you. Wow. The Lord pierced to be gracious to us, to show mercy to us. The Lord waits to show you his mercy. It's funny because we've We've got a Satan who has pierced, haven't we? Did you notice that? Isn't that incredible? May well be the first time ever in church today. Out on a spooky way. But it turns out the Lord's been waiting for you. Not just any Lord. The one who is willing to be pierced for us. Scripture teaches us, history declares that Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross, nailed it with his hands and his feet were pierced with nails, his head was pierced with a crown of thorns, his side was pierced with a spear after he died. Why did he do it? Because that moment you come to faith in him, his mercy pours out into your life. Is that stunning? Christian 80 years, he's been waiting for you in this moment as well to just enjoy worship together, enjoy his presence together. Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preaches. 
If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.